to another edition of the Forkstown Podcast. Your one-stop shop for anything and everything surrounding the Seattle Mariners baseball team. My name is Rick Clark, and with me, as always, the guy who is the Huey Campbell of this podcast, Mr. Bo Chisholm. Bo, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing I'm doing fine. Um, do you fancy yourself to be a butcher? Is that what you're trying to... Uh, how, how, how do you how do you see yourself here are you the frenchie what do you what do you perceive yourself to be here uh you know prob probably mm mother's milk i, I don't know oh, oh wow okay yeah i didn't see i didn't see that one coming okay I, i'm definitely not the butcher i'm not the not the leader here i'm not the de facto leader i'm oh. definitely not a superhero so can't can't say i'm homelander so i'll have to get you some compound v i know for for all of you fans out there that that don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about the boys. So, great show on Amazon Prime. Uh, definitely not kid friendly though, especially that last season of the boys so far. It it was uh, it was a pretty wild one. But anyways, <laughs> back to the show here. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today, guys. Uh, we are in the midst of our off season special. Um, we are going to talk about the pitching side of things. Before we get into all that, uh, thank you again for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forks Down podcast. Um, that's, of course, if you're a returning listener, welcome back. Um, this is episode number 76, and, you know, we're having, we're having fun with it. Um, for all our first-time listeners, thanks for choosing Forks Down podcast, and hopefully we're your new home for Mariners baseball talk. Um, if you haven't already please go hit up our social media pages. You can find us on Facebook, find us on Instagram and find us on threads at forks down podcast. Um, you can also hit like, and subscribe on our, on your podcast listening app. Uh, however you listen to it, you can hit subscribe or like, and, uh, you'll get notified when we drop new episodes. You can rate us, give us a five star. If you love us, a one star, if you hate us. Um, but that is, you know, it's beneficial for us. Um, the more ratings we have, the more we go up the charts, the more we get looked at, and, uh, you know, we want to be one of the top Mariners baseball podcasts on, you know, the different platforms that we uh, host this on. So, well, with all that being said, let's get right into it. Um, you know, before we get into the pitching talk, you know, we're going to kind of review um, the pitching stuff this uh, from this season. We got a few transaction notes. Again, it wasn't going to be a uh, a uh, quiet off season. You know, a lot of a lot of wildness coming right out of the season and uh you know some transactions taking place um first one the mariners dfa'd brian o'keefe and um you know that was in turn to claim caleb ort off waivers from the boston red sox but what do you uh what do you know about caleb ort i've uh i'll be honest with you i've never heard of him um well stop me if you've heard this before but um the Mariners pitched up, picked up a pitcher that throws a fastball and a slider. Um, Caleb Shit. Bort likes to throw a slider. That's shocking. Um, you know, he doesn't have a, a whole lot of big league experience underneath his belt, but um, uh, yeah, like I said, fastball slider pitcher, um, primarily relies upon the fastball. Going to throw that uh, about 60% of the time, somewhere in there, maybe throw the slider uh, about maybe a third of the time. So primarily fastball slider. Um, I think the Mariners are taking a little bit of a chance with him in terms of, you know, he did have, he was shut down earlier in the season in July with some elbow inflammation and did not really make his return, um, back in the minors until September. Um, so, uh, the Mariners just kind of taking a chance on some of the bullpen guys. And this is kind of seeming like, um, an endless cycle of what Jerry and team do every off season. It seems like, it seems like we just kind of collect, a batch of pitchers and we kind of give them a shot early in the year and hope they end up becoming something when they get to Seattle. So uh, not surprising. I'm going to expect, you know, numerous, uh, probably uh, numerous other kind of pickups like this off waivers or small free agent signings or something like that from guys like, like cable board where they're just trying to, um, you know, squeeze a little bit more, get a little bit more of the bullpen guys like they typically did. And, you know, we saw that with Gabe Spire and that Paul Sewell was part of that as well back in the day. So, um, not surprising. We were before we started the episode, Bo. We were listing off the pitchers that we picked up last year. You want to you want to hit that list up real quickly, because again, they're starting off by claiming a, a 
reliever, and it's exactly what we did last season. Yeah, I mean, I can try to run down the list, but um, you know, I think you had uh, um, you know, Luke Weaver was was Luke Weaver was claimed, and then he was let go, so he was one of them. You got to remember, we brought back Casey Sadler last year. Um, Chris Clark was brought on last year. Blake Wyman was brought on to a major minor league contract um, last year. Um, let's see, Trevor Guy. You got to remember, we signed Trevor Guy to a deal. Um, Joseph Yabor, we signed on last year. Um, who else we got here? There's the Gabe Spire, but we also brought um, we also brought on kind of similarly almost to this trade in a way, even though we traded for him. Easton McGee was a claim last year that we got from the Red Sox. Um, there's probably others that I'm not digging through here fast enough, but uh, yeah, this is just what Jerry and team seeming like seemingly like they like to do every kind of year is just bring a bunch of bullpen guys in and kind of see what works and see what sticks, you know, after the season starts. I think you missed, uh, I think you said Topa there. I think you missed Saucedo there. Uh, Saucedo was another pickup last year. Uh, you know, if we're going part of the season, we got Luke Weaver back, uh, Edward Basardo, you know, so kind of a revolving door of relievers and pitchers to come, come in. And, you know, the Mariners have shown that that works. It was a top 10 bullpen this year, as we're going to talk about. So um, <clears throat> the other, I, I guess, I'm not surprised by this. The other little transaction note we have here is Diego Castillo. He ended up getting DFA'd during the season. No one picked him up and he spent um, basically the rest of the season down in the minor leagues. He elects free agency. Um, again, Bo, not very shocking. Um, I, I just think his time has come and gone in a Mariners uniform. And, you know, he had some fairly decent peaks. I'm not going to call them highs. We'll call them peaks. Uh, but it seems like he definitely had some lows, you know, in, in a Mariners uniform. And uh, sucks to see him go, but Diego, whatever you do, you know, with your next team, hopefully it's a little bit better than the end of your tenure with the Mariners. Yep, yep. And uh, be honest, do you remember? Do you even remember Diego Castillo pitching for a Mariner for the Mariners this year? Do you remember it? Uh, a a little bit. That's what I said. You know, hopefully it's a little bit better with his next team, you know? Yeah. Cause I, uh, I had to go back to it. I was like, did Diego Castillo pitch for the man? It's like, I think he did at the start of the year, but I couldn't quite remember. And yeah, he had, he had, uh, he had a couple of, a couple games, eight innings for the Mariners in 2023. So, um, there you go. Yeah. The Drew Steckenrider of the 2022 season or 2023 season. Yeah. I mean, he had a, he had a pretty, he had a fine season in 2022. I think he still had some wild moments. Right. But, um, I, from like a, I don't know, from an ERA and kind of, you know, I would say war standpoint, he was still positive there. So he still contributed positively to the team. It just, you know, did not work out for him in 2023. And no, that's the, this is the result. Yep. 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 And, It'll be interesting to see where he goes from here. Um, yeah, he definitely, with him not getting claimed during the season, I, I definitely feel he's probably a candidate to end up in Japan or Korea, you know, for the MPB or the Korean Baseball League, so the KBL. So, um, I just, I'll, I'll, you know, we'll keep an eye on him. We'll let you know when he gets signed, but, yeah, so. Um couple other topics we wanted to touch on uh off-season talk um you've got this one highlighted so we'll hold it for a second but um i, I found this very very interesting maybe a, a very big tell about how this off-season is going to get started for the mariners teoscar hernandez old teo sends a thank you post to seattle uh on i think it was instagram he probably put it on other things i saw it on instagram but basically thank us for uh you know rooting for him and Welcome him in with open arms, but uh, the way he worded that post, I think he might be gone. Yeah, not not surprising at all. Like uh, we've talked before that you know from the from it from the get go, right during arbitration hearings and all that, it sounded like it did just it just didn't go well from the start. I think with some of the relationship of the front office and Teo and you know, we always thought that maybe they could uh, reconcile a little bit or come together and maybe work something out and figure out some sort of extension. But um, 
it doesn't seem like uh, it doesn't seem like that was the case. And, you know, definitely seems like he's going to test free agency. And I would imagine he's going to get um, probably a pretty good deal because I don't know. I think you talked about top free agents this offseason, especially in the outfield. Um, Teo's one of the better ones that's available out there. And there's a number of guys that number of places that he can fill holes for, you know, competitive teams. So um, all the best to Teo. Yeah, but uh, won't see him again in a Mariner uniform, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'd be very shocked if he came back, but uh you know, best of luck to him too. Um all right, the the thing you had highlighted here and I I didn't know this was a talking point until you put it down. You you put Blake Snell to Seattle question mark? Where were we, where are we heading with that, Bo? Has there been rumblings that I've been missing? There's been rumblings amongst like I don't know if there's any I think there's been rumblings that Blake Snell Blake Snell likes Seattle. He's obviously from here. He, um, you know, he, you know, I think it does a lot of stuff with the community and all I have you there, like still very connected to Seattle and very connected to um, the Northwest, right. From a, his time at Shorewood. And, you know, I think he, I think if Blake Snell would like to come to Seattle, I think that that's kind of at least from the, from what, it has been kind of, I don't know if it's been really reported, but it's been more talked about. I think Dibish was talking about it recently. Um, is that Blake Snell likes Seattle. He wants to come here and he would consider some sort of like smaller discount or a hometown discount. If you would, if you would to kind of come here. Um, so I think that that's kind of where the talk has gone. There hasn't been any confirmed, like, um, you know, John Paul Morosi or, you know, anybody talking about saying, Oh, there's, there's mutual interest between the two or anything like that. There's nothing like that whatsoever. This is all just kind of talk at this point. Um, so I guess that we can just continue to talk on it. Do you think there's any legs to it? Would you, what would you like the Mariners to, would you like the Mariners to go get Blake Snell? Um, do we have too many starting pitchers that already cost too much? Like, what are your thoughts on it? Well, I think Blake Snell would be a very, very good consolation prize. If, the Mariners are not able to land Shohei Otani. No, I'm just kidding. Not going to go there, Bill. I'm just joking. I see the look on your face. Um, actually, no, I, I find this kind of interesting. I certainly see a scenario where Blake Snell does come to Seattle. Mariners get back Robbie Ray by the All-Star break. And, uh, you know, that leaves a little bit of uh, wiggle room when it comes to, to pitching. Um, you know, we talked a lot of the offseason last offseason about one of our young pitchers getting traded. Um, and it certainly would help if we brought in Blake Snell, because then we can use, you know, one or two of those pitchers to go out and get a Randy or Rosarina or, you know, someone of that ilk. Uh, I, I will heavily say I'm still very against trading with the Cardinals, unless maybe it's for a Jordan Walker. Um, I just, I, I don't know. Feel like it turned into another Colton Long situation uh, if we traded with the Cardinals for someone like a Brendan Donovan or a Dylan Carlson or something like that. Um, but you know, I know you talked about it a little bit. You know, I think there was just a little bit of rumblings, nothing confirmed about maybe the Mariners being in on Randy Rosarena. You know, that's it's getting that time with Tampa Bay to move on with him just because that's what they've historically done. You know, they, they kind of retool and, and respec every offseason. And those guys that have been there two, three, four years kind of get traded off for some young guns. So, uh, yeah, I, I would be for it. You know, and if there's rumblings that he's going to take a hometown town discount to get here, I'm more than happy with it. It's still going to be a pretty hefty contract, though. Um, he is, you know, he did walk a lot this season, but he's still in the running for, you know, at least some Cy Young votes on the NL side there. Yeah, and uh, I uh, I really like I really like Blake Snell, and um, you know the Mariners the Mariners don't have a whole lot of uh, guys that are chomping at the bit to come to Seattle, right? So like that's why I'm kind of like, oh man, it'd be really nice to actually you know have somebody that actually feels like they really want to be here, right? And like so there's that element to it, um, but I think at the end of the day. Um, like they say right like it needs to be a two-way street and um you know blake spell might probably might has interest coming here but like i don't know if jerry and team are really gonna 
they'll probably reach out, I would imagine, right, and see what the asking price is. But um, it's difficult for me to see how they're going to fit Blake Snell in there. Um, I'm just thinking, I'm looking at like payroll sheets right now, right? It would be, you know, you're, you have three starters, right? That would be tied up for north of $20 million in 2024 and beyond. And um, yeah, at that point, you're talking about between Robbie Ray, Luis Castillo, and Blake Snell, that's going to be like, it's not going to be half your payroll, but it's going to be 30, maybe 40% of your payroll. So I don't know. I just, I'm thinking realistically here. And as much as I would like Blake Snell and, you know, have him there is that I think you make a great point about, you know, having Blake Snell gives you a lot of flexibility of what you could do with Logan Gilbert or Bryce Miller or Brian Wu, right? That gives you a lot of flexibility there. I just, uh, I just don't see it in the cards as much as, as much as I may want it to happen. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll see, you know, off season's a, uh, it's a long, uh, long time, you know, so we'll see what happens this off season with that. <clears throat> uh, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about the postseason, um, but, uh, we're just going to briefly touch on the ALCS cause Bo and I like neither of the teams in the ALCS. Um, and so the Rangers won, we're shooting on Monday. The Rangers won today. They're up to nothing on the Astros. If there's any saving grace, from the ALCS, it is that the Astros are down to nothing. Thank God, I probably would try to claw my own eyes out if they made another World Series. Um, but you know, I certainly don't want the Rangers there either. Um, so that's going on. Um, and then, um, as we are shooting, the uh, at least the last time I checked, the Philadelphia Phillies were up on the Arizona Diamondbacks in Philadelphia. Um, I think that is that game one. I, I'm not even, I haven't been watching a lot of baseball, Bo, as you know. I've been watching a lot of Kraken, uh, a lot of Seahawks, a lot of Idaho Vandals, teams that are basically ripping my heart out as I try to watch them. But um, is that game one? That is game one, yes. And as we're recording, it is three to five, the Phillies right now. Yep. So, yeah, it was, I think it was five to two when I was looking at it. So, um, out of those two teams, Bo, Phillies and, uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, who do you want to win the World Series? Um, you know, I would certainly root for for Paul Seawald and the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, you know, there's also, uh, it's not just Paul Seawald on that team. There's also um, a second baseman by the name of Kettle Marte is also on that team. So there's lots to root for. Um, there's, there's a guy on the injured list by the name of Kyle Lewis. Who's on that uh, team and we'll get a ring point. So. Very, very good point. Yes. So um, a lot to root for on the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, um, the Phillies. And I guess I'd say more uh, particularly Bryce Harper seems to be really locked in. So um, they're going to be a tough out. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. The Diamondbacks have been playing pretty well. So hopefully that continues. But uh, it's looking like an uphill battle right now. Are you uh are you becoming a Bryce Harper fan, Bill? Are you uh are you turning that around and uh and liking his antics? I I could take it or leave it. I don't know. It's it's whatever at this point. He's he's uh, he's been one of the best players in baseball for the last like second half of baseball this year. So I can't really diss him too much. So um he's looking uh, he's really looking really locked in at this point. So um yeah. Shout out to Las Vegas. Shout out to Las Vegas for, uh, you know, being his uh, his hometown. As uh, as you know, Bo, friend of the show, Chris Orshak is from Vegas. And so he likes to bring up that uh, Bryce Harper went to, like, the high school next to theirs or whatever. I can't remember. But, um, you know, the, the two teams that we haven't talked about, and it's because they're out, the Dodgers and Braves. They both, uh, I wouldn't say the Braves got a quick exit. They put up a, a pretty good fight. Um, but the Dodgers got swept by the Diamondbacks. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this is just feeding the uh, the fire when it comes to people talking about the postseason format. Um, you know, time off having, you know, effect on the team. You know, uh, what was it, one one team, the Houston Astros, made it of the teams that had the bye, meaning the Dodgers, the Braves, and the Orioles all got ousted in the ALDS. Um, do, do you think this is something they revisit? I mean, I, I don't want them to. I like the format. Uh, 
but um you know it certainly seems like it's headed that way um they might revisit it 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 seems like it's gonna be a tough thing to kind of i think figure out maybe they lessen some of the like off days between like you know between series like if there's in the three game series i think they have an off day so maybe they lessen some of that to try to put a little bit of a penalty on you know the the lower ranked team but um i think probably the most simplest thing that they do is they probably reseed after the play after the first wild card series i feel like that might be the the simplest thing that they do um I think that I think that one's gonna be a little more complicated to execute just because I think that MLB really likes predictability and they like to have you know series set up ahead of hand that's ahead of time so they can market tickets and all that so um I think they're gonna have a little hard time implementing that but I feel like that is probably gonna make the most sense or at least what maybe the union might push for there so yeah, there'll be some changes. I'm not expecting them to be big changes, but um there'll be something there because um yeah, I, I don't, and maybe they, maybe they let it go one more year. Maybe they get another batch of data from next year. Maybe if, you know, the, the teams that are at the top again, exit again, then you'll definitely see some change, but um, there's something coming. I just don't know if it'll be this year or next, but um, yeah. Screw it. Let's just add two more teams. First round will be one game. No. Second round will be three games and yeah, yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be no. fine. Come on no. Uh, the lo- the less teams, the better. The less teams, the better. You yeah. don't want to turn it into an NBA situation where like half teams make the playoffs. Come on, NBA situation or like March Madness. It's like I'm a Gonzaga basketball fan, but like, but when, you know, and during the season, what's the value of like watching a game versus like San Diego, right? Like you lessen the regular season when you expand the playoffs. I guess that's what I'm saying. And that's fair. Yeah, that, that guts, I think that's what I'm saying. So that's there you fair. go. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> well, Bo, let's uh let's dive into our pitching review here. Um you have loaded up the stats on this. So, um why don't you do a quick stat review on us? You know, we a lot of these stats that you're going to throw out are stuff that we mentioned uh throughout the season, so we're just kind of reiterating them. Um but uh say what you will about the last part of the season, but the Mariners had one of the best pitching staffs this season in the MLB. Yeah, and most of what I'm going to quote is kind of more focused on just like ERA and F4 here, kind of, you know, fan graphs, the easiest, I think, grab sometimes, but I'll also talk about baseball reference war and maybe minor, maybe touch base, just minor, like somewhat on baseball prospectus war. But um, yeah, we were the third best team in ERA. We were first in the AL with a 3.74 ERA. Um, we were the third best team in baseball in terms of F4 for starting pitching for pitching overall that is um our starters had the fourth best era in baseball good for um 14 and a half war f4 that is our bullpen had era was 348 that was the fourth best in baseball um a couple just stats here maybe some of the negative side of things the mariners worst start was the the mariners worst inning i'm just kind of breaking it down by splits was um the third inning that was the highest team era of 522 which if you think back to some of the starts that we had um you know, there's where there were times where kind of earlier in games, some guys had some issues. Um, but our worst months were, were June and September. Um, kind of looking at the pitching and you can think back to, um, you know, the, the, the last, I think week in June or the first week in June, I'm kind of trying to remember the worst times there, but there was a rough patch where the, where the starting pitching was kind of going through things and the bullpen was kind of going through things. And then, um, yeah, we also had bad patches in September as well. So, um, you know, the offense also had, was struggling in September and, you know, it was part of the reason why we didn't end up making the playoffs there. Um, but a little bit of a little bit of a the kind of the opposite side of that, the pitchers, the Mariners pitching staff on the road ERA was six and a half, no, 0.65 runs higher than on the road than it was at home. Um, so basically our ERA was higher on the road. Um, and I think that that's noticeable because it was the second largest gap in the AL. So like, our gap between earned run average at home versus away was the second largest, right? So we were giving up, you know, much more runs, I would say, on the road, but we were still very good, right, overall. So can't quite put too much, but it's just like some room to improve there, I think, on the road. 
Um, and then I think just to kind of highlight a single player, um, Luis ended up having like this, the team leader in 458 swinging strikes, and he had the lowest expecting batting average and the lowest expecting slug amongst our starters there. Um, anything else jump out to you there, Rick? And I was also going to add this one little note on Luis here, I think, as we kind of dive into maybe our player topics here. But um, uh, did you know that Luis did not go into the eighth inning in one start this entire year? So, uh, you know what? I'm not surprised by that fact. Yeah. I'm really not. Um, I, I don't know. It was very, you, you bring all these stats up and like, it's, it's great to see the Mariners doing things, you know, like having the third best team in ERA in baseball, you know, being first in the AL, um, the bullpen being the fourth best in ERA, um, you know, stuff like that. Like it's good, but I really feel just watching the game that, the Mariners had a very up and down season. Like their highs were very high. And that's what kind of led to them having some really great months. But like you talk about June and September being their, their worst months, like those lows were really low, you know, very hard time getting out of, you know, if you're a starting pitcher out of the fourth inning, it seemed like um, at the last part of that month. And it, you know, it, it not only hurts, you know, the starting pitching, but it hurts your bullpen because then they're working, you know, overtime to try to, you know, bail the Mariners out. Um, so it was, it's, it's good to see that their stats were good, but I, I feel like the stats don't tell the whole tale just because there was so much, I don't know, just so much turnover. I, I like we, we talked about it at the start of the season. I think it was one of your points of, you know, if, things were to go wrong for the Mariners. You know, one of your points was, you know, the Mariners were extremely lucky last year in, in pitcher health. You know, I don't remember one single person last year that got hurt and had to go through Tommy John and, you know, first start of the season, Robbie Ray got uh, hurt and ended up, he's out till at least the all-star game next season. Um, Marco Gonzalez, regardless of us talking about if he was going to, you know, be in the starting rotation or even make the team at all, or if he was going to be traded, he got hurt. That was a big loss. You know, he's an innings eater, you know, regardless of what his ERA is, he's can go out there and, and throw five, six innings. So that one hurt. Easton McGee got hurt during the season. Penn Murphy was out the damn near the whole season. So it's like, you know, all those really, really hurt the Mariners and, and kind of attributed to, you know, the stats not telling the whole tale basically. Yeah. And I, well, maybe I would, maybe I would challenge that a little bit. I also think that if we didn't have those things happen, right. I also wonder what happens with Bryce Miller and Brian Wu. Granted, I do think we get those guys up eventually, but like, it also kind of feels like we had enough depth to also fill those holes. Right. But um, I think your your point on the stats don't tell the whole story. I think that's a very good point, and I think that that is emphasized by me. Like, um, and I'm going to talk about a specific player in the month of August here. But like, um, you know, I remember when Andres Munoz won. I think it was the reliever of the month for August, right? Mm-hmm. And I think when that happened, we we on the we were recording the episode, and we were like, um has anybody watched Andres Munoz like pitch recently? Cause it's not, mm-hmm. it's not a fun time. Right. Like, um, so there's uh yeah, there's definitely, I think more to more to the story when it comes to the Mariners pitchers. Uh, but I would still say like, um, you know, the, the three guys on top, incredibly dominant, right. You know, you, you, you those guys combined together, I should say like Luis, George Kirby and Logan Gilbert, so there was a lot of, uh, you know, a ton of positive, I think, to go there and a ton of positive. I think if you're looking into the future of what this, what this, you know, I think starting rotation could be, but yeah, it was, um, I was thinking about, uh, Luis the other day and, um, you know, I think on the surface, like you'll go to Luis's like baseball reference page or something and think like, Luis had a pretty good season, but yeah, I don't know if the stats tell the whole story about Luis. Cause I just don't know if there was, Luis had some good starts, but I'm trying to think back of you know, times that we were really either impressed with Luis or like, you know, really like, you know, you really knocked our socks off and maybe that's unfair to him. Cause he did have a good season, ended up having like a three and a half win season. But um, yeah, I just don't know if there was much to say on the Luis side of things from like a, 
a real standout performance or anything like that. So I think you're, I think you're apt on that point. Yeah. I, I'd almost say that with all three of the pitchers you just brought up, Luis Castillo, George Kirby and Logan Gilbert. Cause um, you know what I said earlier with us having the highs, you know, like, you know, those three had some definite highs, you know, George Kirby should have got that win on Felix night. You know, that was one of the better games pitched in a Mariners uniform. That was not a no hitter should have been one. And it was, kind of poetic that he they couldn't get a run like you can't chalk that better for Felix Hernandez day you know or Logan Gilbert's starting pitching performance in San Francisco on what was it Mother's Day Father's Day it was one of the two I can't remember but uh, fourth, it, of Ju- that was fourth of July fourth of July you're, you're fourth way July. off yeah I was way, way off, off but it was such a <laughs> I just remember listening to the game and them going is he coming back out oh my god he's coming back out great performance from fuck from Walter and like it just you know they they had good performances Luis Castillo had some very good performances but their lows got really low too you know Kirby how many times did he get tagged for you know three or four home runs this season or same thing with uh Castillo or you know look at the games that Castillo had five six walks like just uncharacteristic stuff and so um you know, as a, as a Mariners fans, you, you you look at Steph and you go, hey, that's, you, know, you should have watched the team. You know, you, you brought up Andres Munoz getting the pitcher of the month. It's like, eh, did you watch Andres Munoz? How many times did he load up the bases that month? Like, he looked good because he got out of trouble. But, you know, it just, yeah. it, it, it was a rough season in that aspect. It, it really was. It was a very, you know, a very... I don't know how to put this a very, a stressful season, you know, I guess is a way to put it. You know, you, you just didn't know what kind of pitcher was going out every night. You know, I, I was less worried this year about the bullpen than I was starting pitching, which is wild. Cause last year would have been, I was fine with starting pitching going out and the relievers. I was kind of like, here we go. Yeah. And I, w- I would argue that like my, and I don't know if we fully expected it. I thought we maybe thought Andres Munoz was going to be, um, I think, I just think it's just, just facts. I think we kind of all thought Andres Munoz was going to be better than what he was this year. Right. Like on, on the surface, you know, he still struck out, uh, you know, close to, let's see, like 12 per nine. Right. Um, but he walked, he, he almost doubled his, like, he almost doubled his, you know, walk per nine rate, right? He walked two per nine last year and walked four per nine this year. Um, and you couple that with just uh, some of the wildness that we saw for him. And yeah, I just think you look at some of the numbers that he has, like he does have a, you know, an under three ERA, his expected ERA is right at three, but it just doesn't tell the whole story there. And I think that that last month of baseball, um, like we said, like the offense didn't show up, but I also feel like the pitching just struggled i think that month right like we had mm-hmm. the the really bad stretch where um we just kind of continued to hit people right like uh um i think brian Wu hit a couple guys in a row like menunas hit a guy like we had some really bad control issues i think toward the end of the year that i think maybe could have helped us you know squeeze out another win here and there but um yeah and i you know I, I think feel like we're dogging it a little bit about i think that at the end of the day they were still a very good pitching staff with a very good bullpen and i think we mm-hmm. have a good foundation obviously i think for the starting rotation and the bullpen going forward but yeah there were times where i think you were just kind of frustrated with you know luis giving up a home run which he did more this year than he's previously done and then also the same thing for for logan as well or even george to a certain point so um yeah i think still a very good performance overall but you would just like to maybe have a couple you know pitches here and back where you know we're leaving balls middle middle um but uh yeah, I feel like those things are going to happen as well. So frustrating. Maybe we were a little frustrated with the end of the season. You know, we we, we don't take this as us hating what we saw because again, you you said it. We had one of the best pitching rotations and and pitching staffs in the league. But um, you know, it, it hurts when the last month of the season you go a two week stretch and there's not a quality start from your your starting pitching. You know, like that's rough. That's not going to get you in the playoffs. You know, and, and um, 
you know, some of that can be, you know, the offense too needs to get picked up and we're going to talk more about the offense next week. But, um, you know, it was just, it was almost the perfect storm of stuff, you know, just pitchers not going out and doing what you expect them to do. People getting hurt, people not pitching well in general, you know, Chris Flexen comes to mind. Uh, he filled in when Robbie Ray got hurt, just wasn't the same. He ended up in Colorado, you know, we DFA'd him or we know we traded him. Then he got DFA'd by the Mets. So he ended up in Colorado at one point. Um, you know, Easton McGee comes to mind. He comes in, almost pitches a no-hitter, goes on the IL for the remainder of the season because he got hurt, you know. But, you know, then you got guys like uh, Bryce Miller and Brian Wu. You know, you you don't know what happens if those guys stay healthy and they come up and um, Bryce Miller had a pretty, pretty historic start to his career. Um, you know, he came in in Oakland in his first start. Had 10 strikeouts, looked really well. Again, it was against a, a triple-A team in Oakland. Um, but, uh, you know, you know, he had some troubles this season. He, he definitely had some growing pains as another guy, you know, and, and Brian Wu too, to an extent, where his highs were pretty high, but his lows were very, very low. Um, and, and Brian Wu was kind of the same way. He came up and um, he kind of had the, the inverse of this. He, he did terrible when he first got up, you know, had a bad outing and um, – in Texas, but, uh, you know, kind of balanced it out and, up. they, they kind of had very similar stats by the end of the season. You know, the ERA is pretty similar and stuff, but, um, one thing that stood out from them too, is both of them were very, very fastball heavy. And I think that's one of the things that if we're talking about keys to next season, you know, especially if, if Bryce Miller and Brian, we are going to be part of this rotation is they, they need to develop some off-speed stuff for our, you know, try to try to work on what they have just so, you know, you're not pitching 60, 70% of your balls or fastballs, you know, that a major leaguer is going to sit on that. And and we certainly saw it towards the end of the season. We saw it when Brian Wu first came out, you know, his, what was his first or second pitch was a home run. <laughs> like, you know, it, it's just, you gotta, you gotta do something, you know, the MLB, is uh is a different class of baseball players than you know them coming up from double a yeah i think you're i think you're right there and i actually think that even i would say luis castillo relied a little bit too much on the fastball at certain points this year as well um i think that's evident just with the number of home runs that he also gave up this year but um i think to go back to to what you were talking about right like um i think about Brian Wu having, I think, the four home run game against the Rangers at the end of the year. And I think Bryce Miller in his last two starts gave up four home runs. So um, I think there's I think you're I think you're spot on that. I think that the development of the the off speed stuff, right, is going to have to be something that they both look at kind of focusing in on, I think, in this offseason. Um, and, um, you know, I don't know really know if there's like one that I think is probably has a better chance of doing it over the other. I would say that I think um, I do think Brian Wu has a little bit of a, you know, he does throw the, the, the sinker, the two seamer, right? So there's a little bit of a change there that he does throw um, as well. Uh, a little bit of a change in fastball, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. So I think there's maybe a little bit more of a daylight there for Brian Wu to kind of adapt some other pitch there, but I think Bryce, Bryce Miller also still has the swiper, the sweeper and the slider. Right. If you want to really differentiate those pitches, you can you're welcome to do that. Um, So, like, I think there is a little bit of daylight for them to kind of adapt and get better. Right. We saw Logan Gilbert. Logan Gilbert was somebody that really relied heavily on his fastball when he first came up. And he's obviously gotten, um, you know, better and more comfortable as he's kind of gone into off seasons and into spring training. So I don't think there's any reason why we couldn't see these guys, you know, come back with. I'm sure we're I'm sure we're going to hear whatever, you know, new pitches these guys have come uh, come spring training. But. Um, yeah, I think there's a little bit of daylight for both of them. I think hopefully coming into next year because they did throw some off-speed stuff, right? I think it's just kind of hoping that they advance upon that, to give some different looks, and try to keep that ball in the ballpark more. Yep, yep. Certainly, that's something I think all the Mariners pitchers that we saw this season need to uh, uh, try to keep the ball in the ballpark a little bit more. Um, again, there was numerous times where all five of them at one point were <laughs> giving up home runs at a what it seemed like an astronomical rate. So um, yeah, just going to be interesting to see what happens this off season with the young guys. And again, it could come to spring training. Neither of them are on the roster 
you know, it could be traded. You know, it, it's certainly a possibility. And we're going to talk about that more, you know, next week and, and potentially the week after. But, um, you know, one, one other thing, you know, to kind of really, I, I really wanted to touch on, um, you know, this one leans more towards the bullpen because we've talked a lot about the the starters this season. And we had a very solid core with the bullpen, you know. Um, you know, the start of the season, it was Seawald, Munoz, Brash, Topa, Spire, um, Trevor Gott. I remember at one point I called him the bulldog of the Mariners pitching staff. Uh, he ended up getting traded, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but, you know, Thornton, Saucedo, Campbell, they all came back up and um, at, at very had varying, varying points of success this uh, season. Um, but... I think a very, a very big change came at that trade deadline. You know, we, the Mariners traded Paul Seawald for um, Ryan Bliss and Dominic Canzone and Josh Rojas. And all three of those guys have a future with the Mariners. Um, But it really changed the dynamic of the bullpen. You know, Paul Seawald was kind of the, he was the de facto closer. He was the guy that came in and, um, you know, gave up a home run here or there, but um, came in and, and was used to close the game out. And after he got traded, it kind of fell on Andres Munoz. And again, Munoz won reliever of the month in August, but I just don't feel like he was that great in the closer role. You know, I felt like he's better in the fireman role. You know, he, he comes in in high pressure situations, but even then, um, you know, it wasn't great for him in that role either this season. Um, he had an injury to start the season, though, but um, I kind of feel like that injury threw him through a loop for the whole season, regardless if he was quote unquote healthy as he came back. Yeah, I think it was a foot injury that he came or a foot or you can call it an injury that he came back from in the, in the off season. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. Well, and I think it was, then he had, um, I think it was like a shoulder. Exactly, exactly. Remember, I think what happened. I think early on in the year, I forget that he, um, he, uh, he didn't. He didn't. I think he. I forget that he pitched at the start of the year as well. But he did pitch for a couple of innings before he ended up uh, going back on the IL. So, like, yeah, you wonder if he's somebody that just didn't stay healthy or didn't get as much time as he needed, maybe in the off season or what have you, to stay healthy. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I wonder, you know, I think back to some of our predictions that we maybe thought of the earlier part of the year, and I kind of thought that maybe Matt Brash might move into a closer role, and I wonder if that maybe is something more, is something that becomes more relevant next year if Munoz, I don't know, is back to a struggle point. But, yeah, it's it's kind of weird. It's like, um, you know, his fastball, it seemed a little bit down this year, I would say. Like, he maybe lost a a mile or two off his fastball in his slider, but it's a little while. I don't think you can really like get too upset of that. Cause it's still like a 99 mile per hour fastball on average, but yeah, I just didn't, it didn't seem like the moon knows that I think we saw last year for the most part. I think that's maybe like the, Thing that I get hung up on, but I guess I kind of want to get your perspective because you really liked Menounos as like a closer coming into this year, almost right? Like you were yeah, you were a little bit on the Menounos train, were you not? So like, I very much was. Yeah, so you're you say you're converted now? Or do you say that you're like, yeah, you you think he's better? You do think he's better in that? Like, we need to big out in the seventh and eighth inning. Let's bring him in. Do you think that's gonna be where he should be for the rest of the time? Yeah, I, I very much am eating my words from the off season last off season, you know, I thought Munoz should be the de facto closer and, uh, you know, him, him just pumping hundred miles an hour, that gas at the end of the, the, um, ball games were, was just going to throw people off, but you know, he lost a couple miles per hour. And again, I felt like he was probably battling that injury further into the season than we thought he was. And I don't know anymore, you know, especially after trading Paul Seawald. Now it's like, you know, do we go out and, and try to find another closer, you know, or, or do we use in house? Do we go with Brash? Do we go with Topa? You know, Topa um, had a very underrated season um, for the Mariners, you know, probably at points there was probably our best pitcher um, coming out of the bullpen. You know, he was very solid, but Matt Brash, very points of the season. You know, he had, there's a reason he had the most uh, appearances this season, you know, Matt Brash in the MLB is, 
you know, at varying points, he had very good success. So, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what comes up next season, how they, they work this. Um, you know, I'm certainly probably not going to be, I might be more cautious about going on to the Munoz closing train just because of what we saw this season. You know, I hope whatever flunk he was in, he can get it worked out. What's the, what's the pitcher equivalent to driveline? You know, what can, is there anything Munoz can do? Go, go in and that's you know, great. That's a great question. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if they top man. Maybe drive on might have something there, but I think that, you know they're mostly known for their hitting. But yeah, it's yeah. a great question. Yeah. Yeah, you know, but um, just just gonna be interesting to see what happens. You know, there's right now. I I think of uh, of all the Mariners' facets here. You know, the the starting rotation, the bullpen, the offense. Um, I feel like the bullpen's the most set for next season already. Um, yes, we're going to go out and sign a bunch of relievers, but you know, you got the, the top four are definitely going to be Munoz, Brash, Topa, Spire. Um, Thornton, Sacedo, and Campbell all should probably get a shot. Um, I could see at least two of those guys coming back. And then, uh, you know, Baroa, Juan Ten, and Ty Adcock all, all are in, you know, varying degrees of the minor leagues could get a shot next season too. So, I feel like out of all the aspects of the game for the Mariners, I feel like the bullpen is probably the most set and it's just going to come down to where are we slotting those guys next season? You know, does Brash start the season as the closer? Does Topa come in and, and you know, start the season as a closer? Is he typically the eighth inning guy? You know, a lot of, a lot of successful teams um, have a eighth inning, ninth inning guy, you know? So um, at least, further back, you know, not, not maybe recently, you know, a little, a little, the pitching philosophy has changed, but, um, you know, you look back at teams that have won the world series, they typically have one, two, three guys that they rely on eighth, ninth, seventh, eighth, ninth, basically. So. Yep. And, uh, yeah, we've got, you know, we've got a couple good ones right now. Right. So, um, you know, I, I would I would expect us to probably hold on to all these guys in the bullpen we're talking about, right? Maybe one of them, maybe one of them gets, I don't know, maybe they're, if, if there's a deal to like sweeten a deal for something, like then maybe I could see maybe one of them getting moved, but it would have to be for like a brash, it would have to be more for a Munoz, it would have, probably have to be more for a Topa or maybe a Spire. I could see like maybe them sweetening the pot a little bit, but I, I think, I think that's, unlikely to happen so I, I would expect probably all these guys to be back and um i think you but you probably mentioned this before we hopped on but i think sacedo is probably in that same boat where i think he might be um i think he probably has a i would say a lock on another bullpen spot but he's pretty close there um thornton's i think is actually like maybe a non-tender candidate so um, he doesn't have any options so i think there's maybe a likely chance that they don't tender him a contract but um We'll kind of see where that plays out. And then, yeah, all the young guys that you mentioned, right? Campbell, Prelander Burrow, Wanten, Adcock might all be back at some point next year. And, right, I mean, we're talking about Caleb Ort, we just claimed today or during the last couple of days. And there's probably going to be likely, you know, a number of guys that, um, you know, end up either coming and going on the, you know, pitching side of things next year in the bullpen and we're talking about them this time of next year so um it just kind of is what this Mariner bullpen does they kind of help develop guys and get them to the next step and hopefully that continues it's wild to think back at the start of the season how both of us were like who's going to be the lefty out of the pen we have no lefties as we start the season and we get very very good season from Gabe Spire you know um very very passable as the lefty but also Saucedo didn't have a bad season as well you know, and Saucedo, you talk about, you know, earlier in the episode where Blake Snell really, you know, would take a discount to come to Seattle. Like Saucedo wanted to be in Seattle because he's from the Northwest. He grew up rooting for the Mariners, you know, so like it's kind of a cool story with Taylor Saucedo, you know, coming in and, and getting to play for his hometown Mariners. And, you know, at very various points this season, having success, you know, his, his low point, I would feel is, uh, what was it, in Houston? When Emerson Hancock came out and he came in and loaded up the bases and gave up a couple runs, um, you know, that was probably his low point, but he pitched pretty good the rest of the season. You know, he, he came in quite a few times in, 
in extra innings and gave us a, a very good p- pitching performance. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of it's going to be set. You know, it's 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 going to be interesting. If you notice too, we have not said anything about Dominic Leone. I think Bo and I are both in the boat of please don't bring Dominic Leone back. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't think old Dom is going to be with the team in twenty twenty four. But um, typically, um, well, typically we have a just to kind of move on a little bit. Typically, we have a prospect corner at the end of every episode, but we're going to kind of fit some of our prospects in with our pitching talk here. Um, you've got a list here of our best pitching prospects and at least one of them you haven't talked about this season in a prospect corner setting. So you want to talk about any of the guys you just listed here? Sure. So I think, I mean, part of what I'm part of what I did is like, I kind of went back to like last year to kind of look what we did. And we talked about, you know, we talked about some guys like Bryce Miller and I think we made a mention of Brian Wu and Mm -hmm. certainly Emerson Hancock. But um, yeah, I think it's worth noting just the, the prospects that are on here and like, are somewhat close. I don't think any of these guys, some of these guys are a little far away, but yeah, Walter Ford um, is kind of the guy that is on the list of Mariner prospects. That is um, pitching prospect wise is probably, I would say like the highest ceiling pitching prospect that I think we have right now at this point. Um, But he only pitched in the complex league this year. Um, Still only 18 years old. He'll be 19 in December. Um, but you know, has uh, potential to, I think, make a jump eventually at some point. So, um, certainly a guy to look out for, um, Jimmy Joyce is a guy that, um, I think jumped up prospect charts more this year than, um, you know, probably we anticipated, um, you know, spent some time, um, in Arkansas this year, um, pitched really well for the most part. Um, and you see somebody that, yeah, I think it's like a 40 overall kind of value via fan graph. So very well could get a shot at some point, um, maybe next year. So maybe wouldn't be surprised if we have an injury or something like that. He gets called up um, for a spot start. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, the last guy I have on this list, and I'll, I'll talk about one more too, is Teddy McGraw. Teddy McGraw was the guy that we drafted this year, I think in the fifth round. Um, from Wake Forest, correct? From Wake Forest. Would have yeah. been, would have been probably um, – it's would have been probably gone in the draft earlier, but has struggled with some arm issues. Um, so he's very, I would say Brian Wu in that way. Um, so the Mariners kind of taking a chance there because they've obviously had success. So those are kind of the top guys, but um, <clears throat> I would also throw um, Jeter Martinez on this list. Um, he was a sign last year out of uh, in our international kind of prospect pool from last year that um, had a really, really good start in the DSL this year. Um, struck out about 10 and a half per nine walked, did walk right around four and a half per nine, but the velocity is looking like it's there and, um, yeah, could be somebody that also sparks up the charts, but again, is only, is only 17 years old. It'll be 18 years old come spring training next year. So this is all to say that, um, I don't think there's anybody on the pitching prospect horizon that is going to make an immediate impact for us. Like I said, maybe Jimmy Joyce gets there at some point. We haven't really talked about Taylor Dollard much um, who's recovering from injury, but um, all to say, I'm not anticipating a lot of a bump up from anybody in the minor leagues next year to help us on the pitching side right now. So like what we got and you know, what we got and the, what we just talked about, all the pitchers that we talked about is kind of, kind of it right now with maybe one or two surprises. Um, all right, Bo. We've got I've got two questions for you here. Okay. I know my answers, so I will give my answers as well. But the two questions I have is best pitching performance of the year and who's and, and actually this is a two part question, the second one. Your pitcher of the year out of the bullpen and out of the rotation. So let's start with best pitching performance. Who do you think had the best pitching performance this season? Um so I am likely going to go if I, uh, I kind of thought about this and I think I am going to go with, I'm going to go with the Felix game on George Kirby. Uh, I think on Felix night, nine innings strong, seventh K's, no walks, quintessential of George Kirby. Um, 
you know, didn't give up a lot of hard hit balls coupled with that. Um, the control was there. He just looked like he looked like every bit the ace that we kind of anticipated him to be. And I think it just bodes well for the future. So I would say that that's probably my best pitching performance of the year. And I really want to give it a good, a very solid honorable mention to um, Taylor Saucedo on the, I think it was the August. I pulled it up here. Sorry. The August uh, sixth game where he came in and pitched two innings in the ninth and the 10th Mariners ended up scoring in the 10th and he um, ended up getting the win in that game pitched really well, only faced six hitters and struck out, you know, two of the final three that he faced. So really, really good, strong pitching performance from um, Taylor Sosero that I wanted to call out, but uh, yeah, I'm going to give it to George Kirby for the Felix game for my overall performance there. And then um, pitcher of the year, um, this is a this is a statistics heavy review of who I would say the pitcher of the year is, but like, um, I'm uh I'm kind of like there's not really like a stat like we'll talk about when we get when we go into hitting next week. I anchor myself a lot to weighted runs created right via Fangraphs is like the gold standard for hitting stats, and like I don't really know if I have one of those for the pitching side of things. I just don't know if I'm like Fangraphs war is Fangraphs war is really heavily upon FIP. I, I like maybe a little bit more of baseball reference, which does runs allowed. And then uh, baseball prospectus is a little bit more of a black box with their deserved runs um, average. But um, if you look at war across those different three, those different three places, um, George Kirby was tops in Fangraphs war. He was tops in baseball reference war, and he was actually bested in baseball prospectus war by Logan Gilbert, but it was only by um, a 10th of a decimal point. So um so from all that, from a statistics standpoint, I'm going to go with George Kirby as my uh, pitcher of the year um, starter. And then um, my relief pitcher of the year is going to be Matt Brash. Um, and for all the reasons we listed as well, Matt Brash didn't have quite the same um, war numbers, but um, Fangraphs really, really liked Matt Brash and it almost bumped him up to they, Fangraphs, but it was like one of the better relievers in baseball. So I'm, I'm going to go off that and, you know, some other good numbers that we see across Bips or reference and baseball prospectus as well for him. So, um, George Kirby, Matt Brash. So, um, I'll turn it over to Rick for a non-statistical get the, get that statistic garbage out of here and give me a, give me the, give me the meat and potatoes. Who was it? Okay. Well, I got to start with performance of the year because, uh, you know, you did go with that Felix game and it probably was the better pitch game, but I'm going to go with the July 4th start by Logan Gilbert. Nine innings, five hits, didn't walk anyone, seven strikeouts, uh, had 105 pitches, 73 of them were strikes. Um, just dealing, just, I don't know, maybe it's just because it was the July 4th game and, and you know, it it was just, it was a fun game to listen to on the, the radio. Like, I listened to it predominantly on the radio. I didn't watch it on TV. And just uh, just listening to the announcers light up every time that Gilbert was getting out of an inning, you know, hearing them light up at the end of the game when they're like, is he coming out in the ninth? Oh, he's coming out for the ninth. Stay tuned, folks. <laughs> you know, like that was great to hear. And so uh, that was my pitching performance of the year. Um, obviously, honorable mention to George Kirby's Felix start. Um, I'd also say George Kirby's start in Philadelphia earlier in the season. Um, should get an honorable mention because he got Felix there when it was probably his best start of the season, at least early in the season. Um, and then it's funny you brought up the Saucedo game because I wasn't thinking of any reliever games that kind of stuck out, but until you said Saucedo, like that one jogged my memory. That was a very, very great pitching performance for him. Um, you know, best best pitching performance probably out of the bullpen all season. So good good mention on that, Bo. Um, and then I told Bo as we went into it, cause I knew his was going to be very, uh, very reliant on the statistics, um, for his pitcher of the year. Um, but I told him, I, I kind of wanted to do the eye test. I mean, it's easy to look at the statistics, uh, but like I said, um, for most of the season, the statistics really didn't tell the whole story I felt. Um, so if I'm just going on the meat and potatoes here, the, I watched or listened to every game, who do I think the best pitcher is on that staff? I'm going to give it to Logan Gilbert this season. I know George Kirby was my uh, was my pick to get some Cy Young votes this season. You know, if you want to revisit uh, some of our early offseason predictions, 
Um, I thought George Kirby had the chance to get over the hump and certainly George Kirby did. I mean, but uh, I think from more of a consistency standpoint, at least listening to the games, watching the games all the time, um, I felt Gilbert gave us a better chance to win every game. You know, it kind of got towards the end of the season, especially after the game that George Kirby complained about, um, you know, being in there too long. Um, you never knew what kind of um, pitching performance you're going to get, get out of Kirby after that. You know, it was very hard to go like, are we going to get the Felix game, George Kirby, or are we going to get the the one that's going to complain about something? And that's not a knock on him. I George Kirby's probably my favorite pitcher on the staff still. He's the most aesthetically pleasing um, you know, someone that can place the ball wherever he wants. There's a reason that he led the league in uh, walks per nine inning. So, you know, good ups on him. But um, Gilbert, I don't know, it was just more exciting too. Like his 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 exciting games really, you know, really got the crowd pumped up. And he was kind of the road warrior this season too. You know, we've talked about it um, at varying points of the season. But if, if we wanted someone to do a little bit better on the road and make a road start, it was probably Walter. So, um, Logan Gilbert, my, uh, starter of the year, hopefully, hopefully he doesn't get traded again. I wouldn't be surprised, but hopefully he sticks with the Mariners because I, I think he's got, uh, a lot left to give the Mariners going forward. So, um, and then reliever of the year again, just doing the eye test. Um, and I don't think you can go wrong with Matt Brash. Really? There's a reason he had the most appearances in the league, uh, his slider, I, I guarantee the slider maybe in a year or two is going to be the nastiest pitch in baseball. Just the movement he generates on it is just, it's astounding. And here, you know, he, he, you know, started in Canada and, and was a hockey player and wanted to do that, but then became a pitcher. Like that's a cool story. Um, but I'm going to go with the underdog here. I'm going to go with Justin Topa. Um, Justin Topa, I felt, was at one point the most reliable uh, reliever out of the bullpen. You never knew what you were getting with Munoz. You never knew sometimes what you were getting with Brash. Brash had a, you know, we talked at the start of the season how Brash had a tendency to um, inherit runners and then let them go across the plate, kind of hurting the other pitchers, you know, which, you know, we, we, we had an argument earlier in the season of, come on, they've got to attribute that to him. You know, the, the pitchers might have put him on, but, you know, so... Um, but, but Topa came in, was very consistent every time I heard, you know, him pitching or watched him pitch. Um, and he was just kind of a nice surprise this season. You know, he, uh, I think a lot of us didn't go in expecting a lot from him this season, but, uh, you know, he came out and, and shoved as you like to say, Bo, and he had a, he, he got my vote for best reliever of the year. So, and one more honorable mention here, Gabe Spire, um, just hearing his story sometimes, how he you know got DFA'd by the Royals and uh, basically wanted to quit baseball, and then he comes in as the number one lefty out of the pen. Shout out to Gabe Spire. I know he didn't have some great games here and there, um, you know, towards the end of the season, was giving up home runs at a higher clip, but I felt like he needed to be mentioned here just because, heck, I, I was impressed with what I saw. So, um, yeah, do you, what do you, what do you thought? What do you think, Bo? My my breakdown non-statistically. That was all very good. All very good. And Thank um, you. I just needed reassurance that I was saying the right things. All very good. And uh, yeah, I, I think we should probably table like maybe why neither of us liked Luis Castillo for another time, but um, we still like Luis Castillo. I mean, we just didn't think he was you know as good there, but uh, talk for another time. So, um, well, you can go back to earlier episodes when we were talking about who could get Cy Young votes on the on the team, you know, there was a point there. Luis Castillo got it for about a couple weeks, but uh, I think we were more on the Kirby train at one point, and yep. then we were more on the none of them are getting Cy Young votes after the end of the season. So, um, yeah, but uh, if Kirby wasn't the or if, if Gilbert wasn't the best starter in your mind or like in anyone else's mind, again. Everyone's going to have who they thought was the best. Um, Gilbert was probably the unsung hero. You know, he didn't get that spotlight like a Kirby or certainly not like a LaPedra. He just went out and shoved as, as best as he could. So. Agreed. Yep. So. 
Well, anyways, Bo, we, uh, that was a long episode today. Dang. So, um, you got anything else for our viewers before we get out of here? Uh, I don't think so. I think next week we're covering hitting and I'm sure we'll have, uh, more, I don't know how we'll squeeze it all in, but, um, yeah, next week we're talking about hitting and there's a lot to talk about there. So yeah, there you go. I, I think Bo and I are going to be very, very much more critical about the offensive side of things because, uh, unlike the pitching staff, uh, I think the Mariners offense had, uh, lower lows than <laughs> normal. Well, even more than normal this season. Um, so that's going to be a fun episode. Make sure you come back next week. It'll be episode number 77. Come and catch it with us. And, uh, you know, again, if you guys, you guys want to give us who you guys thought your pitcher of the year was or whatever, um, or if, if you even want to get a mention on here, shoot us a message. Um, you know, we look, I look at Facebook every week, at least once a week, just to see if anyone's messaged us, messaged us. Um, or you can even post on our wall on there, or if you want to, tag us in a threads post or, you know, shoot us a message on Instagram. Let us know, you know, who you think. And, uh, you know, maybe you'll get mentioned on here. So, well, Bo, if that's it, let's get out of here for all our listeners in the Puget Sound Pacific Northwest and beyond. Thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forks Down podcast for Bo Chisholm. I'm Rick Clark, and we'll see you next week, brother. Brother.